What's going on, podcast peeps? Welcome back to the Zero to Hear podcast. Tonight's show, Balraj Saran. He is a personal trainer in uh, Greater Vancouver. He is the first person I've ever met that has competed in physique competitions. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but we're going to go for with it for now. Extreme, he's in extremely good shape. We talk a lot about uh, preparing for one of these physique competitions, uh, how to eat, how to train, how much cardio to do. <laughs> he uh, he, he kind of goes into detail that it is not as structured as one may think. And his favorite fruit to eat along the way was chicken strips. So here's his story about that. I asked him um, about getting started in fitness and why people are so insecure or why people hesitate to get back into shape when they express that they want to. And one of the big things I think, or that he mentioned about people going to the gym is that they feel insecure because other people are in better shape than them. And one of the comments he made, which was pretty funny and, but also probably pretty true is just that no one cares. Like, no one at the gym is really worried about other what other people are doing, what they look like. And to be honest, I think they just kind of are excited that you're getting into the gym. Uh, a lot of, uh, I ask them again, like, what do people, when people are getting started, what do they need to do and what should they not focus on at the beginning? And his comment was, be active, just get into the gym, do something, go for a run, work out, whatever it may be, but just be active. Don't worry about taking supplements. Don't worry about all these extra things. Don't worry about wearing the right clothing. Just get out there and do something. And as you get in better shape and become more serious about it, then you can start looking at those types of things. We talk a little bit about supplements, but again, he kind of expresses that they're over-marketed uh, and not necessarily super uh, important in terms of getting back into shape. He runs a personal training company called Baller Fitness, uh, where he does in-person uh, personal training as well as online classes. He is a very sweet dude in the fitness space. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. If you are enjoying what you hear on our show, hit subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Here we go. How about that? That's good, Carl. <laughs> like a boom, boom, boom. Love it. I hope we're already started. Podcast. I love podcast. Balraj, give me your. What, or why'd you get in podcast? Well, the first podcast I probably saw was uh, Joe Rogan's, and amazing. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I think everyone's a fan. I mean, <laughs> anytime I mention it. Everyone always says, yeah, and they watch it. Uh, I think the main reason that attracted me was having the opportunity to sit down and listen to somebody's full opinion. So we get these sound bites, mm -hmm. we get these snippets, these chopped up bits in our media mm -hmm. for our news. And you never really get to actually hear somebody out, hear their whole position, whether it's politics, whether it's on the housing crisis, mm. whether it's in fitness, 
we get these chopped up little sound bites. You never get to hear somebody have the opportunity to actually speak and elaborate on their thoughts, their opinions, mm -hmm. and uh, what they know. So I think that was the, probably the main attraction, and you can probably add on to that as well. When you get to hear somebody and see where they're coming from, you can actually find common ground and learn something from it versus just take their little snippets, right? That's what I love, and that's what I've talked to a few people about. And we had uh, a guy who's an actor who does a lot of interviews and stuff, like a lot of TV um, interviews, I don't know, conversations. And he said, he mentioned something like, you can never fully explain yourself in a three to five minute interview on TV. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a podcast today, one of Joe Rogan's with Bernie Sanders. <laughs> who's <laughs> actually quite an interesting dude. I've never really listened to him much before. And the one of the first things Joe Rogan was talking about was debates. Mm -hmm. And he's like, how much can you actually get out in a debate? Because they give you like 30 seconds to answer. It's ridiculous. And so his comment was, that's why I'm so excited and thankful for the opportunity to be on this platform that mm -hmm. I can actually explain all of the policies that we want to bring in, whatever, whatever, whatever. Because a, a career politician would struggle on that show, right? If, if Joe Rogan asks him a question, it's tough totally. to back out yeah. of it, right? When, totally. Especially if you're live on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. You have to answer. You totally. can't leave. Yeah. But that's what I love too, is it's unfiltered, long form conversation mm -hmm. that goes off on so many, especially in a format like Joe Rogan's that doesn't have a format. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best part. I love it. Exactly. It's so refreshing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So like one thing that came up was obviously with the United States of America was gun control. Mm -hmm. And there was a few big shootings in the week prior to this podcast with Bernie Sanders. And so just like getting to understand his full perspective rather than just him saying, this is what we're going to do. Next mm -hmm. question. It's, it's interesting. And th that's the reason I love podcasts. I love, I, I don't really read much mm -hmm. at all. Other than strata documents, really. <laughs> um, even books on tape for me, they're just like so boring. It's difficult. And they're edited. And I love podcasts because mm -hmm. they're not edited and it's real conversation. Yeah. No, I watched that same one that you were talking about, the Bernie Sanders one. Yeah. And I feel like it needed to be even longer. It yeah. was an hour, right? I only got through half of it today. Yeah. So I, I believe it was an hour. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah, so it was refreshing because mm -hmm. uh, before that, you only saw again the snippets and sound bites. And you, like myself, I might think, oh, this guy might be a little bit, a little crazy, right? And then, like you said, you hear him out, you see where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. But it could have been even longer just because the topics are so big. Even just uh, the, his thoughts on Medicare yeah. and why or how the drug companies are so corrupt in terms of lobbying oh, against wow. the American public mm. to have public health care. And everyone knows. It's so funny. <laughs> I don't know if everyone knows, though. I'm pretty sure. But they keep voting it out. Like, they're not voting for people that are going to give them free health care. So, obviously, the ads work. Obviously, these big pharmaceutical companies who are spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars a year on, on this on these ads and lobbying against mm -hmm. this stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously it works. Yeah. Yeah. I think people also might feel it's too difficult of a fight to fight. And uh, you might be like, oh, whatever, forget about it. So maybe that's why. I do feel like people do know too, on your point. 
But do you think everyone knows? You think not everybody? A random person in small town Maryland? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty small percentage of the population. Really? Totally. Hmm. It's the younger demographic, more likely. You think to know. some like seventy-eight-year-old? So you people who use the internet, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Younger generation, for sure. But people like my dad, who mm-hmm. rarely uses email, doesn't really use a computer, mm-hmm. still struggles to text. <laughs> I, I don't think they know. I don't know. Correct me if you think I'm wrong, Carl. No, you're probably right, honestly. Lots of people just stay in their in their little bubble, you know, don't really reach out, don't really read, don't really, you know. And it's just the the ideas, they just get passed on from their parents to them, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. For what, the most part, even if you do tell your parents something, like if I tell them something, they'll take my word for it. <laughs> so that's kind of proving the point. As long as you say it <laughs> confidently, right? Yeah. Man, that is one of the craziest things. Not that I lie to people ever. But the if you say something confidently to people, it's crazy. Most of them just be like, "Oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good." Mm-hmm. They just believe a random stranger because it sounds good. Totally. If you're uneducated in a topic and someone tells you something about it, you're probably like, "Oh, yeah, that sounds right." Politics one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> Any other podcast you're into? That was kind of like the main one that Joe Rogan keeps me coming back. But do listen to some other uh, branch offs. Like the comedian, I can't remember him. He was on uh, Joe Rogan's. He's uh, very, very unfiltered on his podcast. No, he has uh, um, he has his own podcast. There's a South Asian guy and another black guy. There's three of them. Very, very funny guys. Oh, I, oh. Uh, Legion of Skanks. Yes, that's what I was thinking too. Which uh, Jay? Schw- no, what's his name? Uh, Big comedian? Jay Okerson. Uh, and there's two other guys. I can't remember right now. Might be a different. One. It's a comedian. Uh, oh, is it something Schultz? I think Schultz. Ben oh. Schultz. Uh, Andrew. 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 Andrew Schultz. Schultz yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A really unfiltered comedian, right? Yeah. He <laughs> he has that show with uh with Charlemagne. He has, he has a podcast from the Breakfast Club. Yeah, they're really good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So listen to his sometimes. Uh, he says some outlandish stuff that makes you <laughs> laugh. He says some things that people don't want to say. Yeah. But yeah, but mainly mainly Joe Rogan's. Um, probably the most interesting conversations out there. So the other thing I like about them so much is that they're passive. Like I listen to them while I'm running every day. I listen mm-hmm. to them while I'm in the car in between appointments. Like if you, you miss something, you don't fall behind, right? Or you don't need to be focused on it. Like reading a book. Yeah. Anyway, Books let's talk about fitness. Read. Yeah. Uh, where did fitness start for you? And maybe just give us like a quick background. Into okay. So What's your, sorry, what was your last name? Saran. Saran. Balrush yeah. Saran. Quick background yeah. on Balrush Saran. So I've been into fitness my whole life. Played sports uh, from ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Always running track, sports. High school played a lot of competitive sports. Did pretty well. Um, after high school, realized five ten didn't really stick it with any <laughs> one sport. Right. I mean, the main one I finished with was basketball. Wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, soccer would have been a chance, but I decided to diversify instead of specialize in one thing and devote my life. So then I turned to uh, the gym. So I was like, this is something that's really interesting and I could stick with. That was and in high school. Yeah. I think the turning point was grade 10. Um, all my friends 
kept hitting their growth spurts. <laughs> I went from being a post in grade eight and to a uh, second shortest senior on the high school and the grade 12. <laughs> yeah, the senior team. So that was a big change. Yeah. Um, so stuck it out with fitness, got into powerlifting to quench my competitive uh, thirst. Ended up hurting my back a little, um, did some bench only meets then. And after that, there wasn't too many people I was competing with because you have uh, weight classes, uh, age category. So that wasn't fun because I'm competitive. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything if I win and there's no one else in my weight class, right? That happened at provincials there. There's no one in your weight class? No. So this <laughs> is how I go. So it's male, female. So already yeah. you're broken off. And then it's by age category. I was a junior. So which is between 19 and 23. So being a junior. And then I was in the 83 kg category. So there's now there's a weight class. Yeah. There's a weight class. And then after that, I was doing the bench only because I was injured. Mm -hmm. So there was no one else. <laughs> and another reason why there's no one else is there because people know where they stand and they don't want to compete. Because you know, if you can only bench 200 pounds and the guys are benching somewhere in the threes, you're yeah. just not going to compete. So right. then I kind of switched over to um, bodybuilding and physique, physique competitions. And that's where I'm at right now. And just uh, trying to get my body healthier. A lot of wear and tear over the years. Um, didn't under understand or take for, uh, took for granted recovery. Um, it was always go, go, go. Right. But now I'm learning that it's a balance. You know, what you throw at your body. You've got to be able to handle it. You can't just put it through the work. Mm -hmm. It's not just about doing the actions. So that's where I'm at. Um, and then I recently started my own uh, uh, personal training company, Baller Fitness. Mostly going into the online section, just easier to reach people. Online coaching is a relatively new phenomenon, I think, probably mm -hmm. in the last four or five years. Yeah. Where coaches have realized there's a potential to reach way more people for a much cheaper price because you don't have to charge for labor. So now I'm looking to take all my experience and help out other people, whether it be new people to fitness or athletes who want to progress. And that's probably a solid background on me and where I'm at right now. Do you... Um, going towards an online uh, training program mm -hmm. business... Is it, is it a, like a lot of videos? Are you doing videos and like talking people through workouts and then posting them on YouTube and, and website and stuff like that? Or is, how, how does the online training program business work? So that's a good question. So not necessarily. If I started about five, six years ago, I probably would have done that. Now there's probably an enormous catalog sure. on YouTube of a lot of personal trainers who've literally... I don't know how to say it, basically squeezed everything you could squeeze out of it. Sure. There's all kinds of videos explaining everything relatively uh, relatively thoroughly, which is actually why now it's difficult again, because now, before, whereas before you didn't have access to information, now you have an abundance of it, so you got to filter through the good stuff and the bad stuff. Totally. So I would have done something like that where I recorded videos, posted them, or gave them to clients to see but now there is a lot of good stuff out there and I can definitely uh, reference some good tutorials on exercises to them. But it's mainly um, having spreadsheets and weekly check-ins 
and basically assigning workouts on the spreadsheets throughout the weekly check-ins and they can re actually record their form uh, video of them doing the exercises and send that to me as well and mm -hmm. I can take a look at it so instead of having uh, me have to be there and having to charge for my labor and my time mm -hmm. now it takes one minute so it's cheaper for the client right and you're able to reach more people so it's mm -hmm. a win-win definitely with technology correct me if I'm wrong I feel like a lot of people getting into fitness, let's say in adulthood, so after they're 20, um, one of the biggest things is being motivated to go out and actually mm -hmm. do the workouts and do the runs, which is why I feel like a lot of people have personal trainers. Mm -hmm. So does this model maybe steer away from that or is it attracting or going after a different type of clientele? You know what I mean? Like, let's say Sally is 33 years old. She mm -hmm. feels like she could be in better shape or is not feeling great. Okay. She wants to start working out. She doesn't really know where to go because she didn't play sports growing up. Mm -hmm. Calls you or whoever and says, hey, I want to start training um, or running or doing something active. Where do I go? Mm -hmm. Like, she's probably not looking at a spreadsheet and it says, like, do 12 burpees. And she's like, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So is it going after a different type of clientele or is there some sort of involvement from you that says we do six classes together one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. and then we put a program together for you kind of thing? So with this, my sort of uh, opinion on what's best for most people is at least seeing them once a week. Mm -hmm. So if I can see them once a week and then also have the online yeah. coaching aspect. Sure where I get to see them, get to see what they're doing, holds them accountable. You know, they see you face to face. Mm -hmm. If you haven't uh, kept up with your workouts, now you're meeting the person face to face and you have that sense of guilt. <laughs> so it holds you accountable yeah. as well as uh, makes it much more affordable. But I think at the end of the day, you do have to be motivated. Like I've had some clients that I've had solely online. I'm working with a guy right now and this guy is pretty phenomenal. Every day or other other day, he sends me about a paragraph of, uh, he lists it by number, question number one, <laughs> two, three. And then I have some others who see me in person and sometimes they'll cancel. Sometimes they'll move things around. Um, some people who, you know, find it too difficult to put weigh themselves in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it does come down to yourself you still have to be motivated um but definitely you can take that on a case-by-case -case basis and see what the person needs um in terms of your attention but it's, it's difficult when somebody doesn't want something mm -hmm. to help them to reach their goals at the end of the day you do have to want it right i guess uh as a trainer what like do you see yourself as a motivator do you see yourself as like a coach that is more just like working on technique and putting programs mm -hmm. together for people to help them achieve their goal? Mm -hmm. Or is it like, hey, it's 5.30 a.m. You told me you'd be at the gym. You're not here. Where are you? You know, kind of like a motivator kick, it, kick you in the ass type of thing. I would say try and be both. Yeah. Um, some people have that internal drive and you're just there to be there to be the person that calms them. Yeah. So this guy already has that fire and he might have that uh, strong desire to reach his goals where he's overthinking things like 
hey, I got a family dinner tonight just last weekend. Um, should I just eat a little bit less in the morning <laughs> so I can eat a little bit more? And it's like, yeah, sure, man. That's that's as simple as that. Yeah. They just need that sense of uh, assurity. But the other people who, like you said, need that little extra extra mm-hmm. motivation, right? right? You gotta be on them a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it's it's very difficult not to. Like I've seen some people who take on the coaching and I think they just get a sense of satisfaction. Okay, I hired a coach or I bought a gym membership and then they don't do anything about mm-hmm. it, right? So I, you can only do so much, but as a coach, you definitely should be trying to strive to do both, right? Be the coach with the numbers, uh, you know, the form critiquing, as well as the uh, motivator. You need both. One of my big life philosophies is think long-term, not short-term, regardless of whether it's business, personal life, fitness, anything. And I think fitness is something where you don't see immediate results, right? Mm -hmm. If I go for a 20-minute run today, I'm not going to lose nine pounds. Like, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens mm-hmm. over years and years of effort and mm-hmm. consistency. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle is back to my Sally example. She wants to lose 15 pounds or what, you know, whatever it may be. Going to the gym for seven days in a row or seven out of the next 14 days mm-hmm. doesn't lose the 15 pounds. Like mm-hmm. you have to, one, of course, you need to obviously look at your nutrition, what you're eating. But it's like a consistent long-term thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people understand that. You have to develop the habit, right? Exactly. To enjoy working out and making it a whole lifestyle. Yeah. If that's your goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if your goal is to not lose any weight and just do exactly what you're doing, then don't obviously don't go to the gym. But yeah. like, if your goal is to be in shape and lose X amount of pounds or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it's a long-term thing. It's not ever something that happens in the first month. And it's not that hard all you got to do is just show up but like that's the hardest part just going to the gym Mm -hmm. so if you can get yourself to the gym four or five days a week for a month two months Mm -hmm. it just becomes second nature Mm -hmm. people always ask should i be eating this should i be eating that should i not eat after six all these complex questions that could go on and on or forever. Mm-hmm. But then when you ask them, they've maybe gone to the gym once or twice in the mm-hmm. last two, three weeks. To me, that's such like a, I don't know what the right saying is. It's like, it's way down the road. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just starting as a 25 year old person, you're just mm-hmm. starting getting into fitness. May Correct me if I'm wrong. Cause you know more about this than I do, but like, you need to eat decent food, but like mm-hmm. counting calories and all of this stuff is not ultra important. It's more just like building habits and pushing yourself to actually do workouts and go for a run and do all these things at every day or every second day or whatever your goals are. Mm-hmm. But like the end thing of counting calories and eating super healthy and like watching every single thing that you put into your body mm-hmm. is far down the road. For me. Yeah. You hit the hammer, uh, hit the nail with the hammer right Mm -hmm. there. Like the analogy that I give most people is we're building a car Mm -hmm. and you're the person building the car and you're asking me questions about 
the window wipers, the lock, <laughs> you know, the steering wheel. Yeah. When the main questions you should be asking me, okay, what engine do I need? I mean, I'm not a car guy, but you know, like mm-hmm. the muffler or the actual essential components that build the core of it. You're asking me what door handle should I put on, right? Like what type of protein do you take or what type of uh, vegetables should I eat? At the end of the day, just get yourself to the gym, right? Yeah. So once I found um, giving analogies like that work the best for people because they're sold these things from marketers, marketing. They're they're great at what they do, the marketers. Um, they show them that it comes down to those little things like door handles will somehow make your car go faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I found analogies help people definitely understand. But again, just getting in there, right? Just getting down, working. What is, so obviously talking analogies and like thinking about it from like a super narrow perspective, but someone that's just starting out, what does week one look for like, look like for them? Week one. Or someone who is thinking, I don't feel very good physically. I want to mm-hmm. lose some weight. How do I do that? What, like what is what how do I start so I don't I wouldn't give everybody the same sort of thing because mm-hmm. people vary drastically um sorry that's okay then the life happens <laughs> my phone rings <laughs> there we go almost every podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right so it would honestly depend on each and every person mm-hmm. um how mobile there are um how often they've trained before, if they played any sports and age and such. So it could vary from, you know, doing the main compound lifts like squat, bench, deadlift, or maybe it could be simple stuff like body weight stuff. Right. And I find uh, it, uh, you really need to focus on the individual. Um, I do have friends and family that ask me all the time and stuff too. Some of them are a lot, a lot older, right? So they're definitely restricted in what they do. And something as simple as even getting up off of a couch, holding a water jug or a five pound dumbbell is like a squat for mm-hmm. them. It's like a squat for an 18 year old with maybe a hundred, 200 pounds. Right. So it just depends on the individual. But in terms of advice for week one would be just get in the gym, mm-hmm. right? Get in the gym mm-hmm. and then uh, pace yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Once you're able to get yourself in the gym for two, three, four weeks, now look at, okay, what's the next step? What do I need to change? Okay, my training's not optimal. Let me optimize my training. Once you're optimized your training, okay, let me look towards nutrition. Let me optimize my nutrition. And then, okay, now I've got all that down. Now I can start playing with programming and all these fancy concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I see it a lot where people have access to all this information they see people on youtube they got this cool equipment they're running cool programs and stuff it's a niche sports um so people find comfort in the communities but they don't build the foundation right so i feel like if you start just by getting yourself in the gym in the first week make your goal to go there for a month and now move on to the next step whatever Mm -hmm. it may be if it's changing body composition focus on the diet or whatever it is, whatever your goal is. What holds people back when they start? For some people, it's fear. I think for a lot of people, it's fear. Of what? Fear of... Of not knowing what they're doing? Not knowing what they're doing, which is huge, Mm -hmm. 
huge. Like you'll you'll find people who are in professions where public speaking is needed or uh mm. I know somebody in real estate too. And real estate you're dealing with people all the time, right? And people are judging you. You care about your presentation obviously. Mm. But people in these roles where you would expect them to at least have the confidence to do something that better themselves, right? I feel like fear of judgment is the biggest, biggest hurdle. You know what I always say in the back of my head? I learned this over time in the last like five years. I think I've said this to you, Carl, is no one knows what the fuck they're doing, (laughs) right? No one knows. If you go to the gym, there's those assholes that like are super confident, right? And Mm -hmm. they're like yelling and they're wearing tank tops. I fucking hate those. I wouldn't say tops. they're confident. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. Yeah. <laughs> but they look like they know what they're doing. And so mm-hmm. people that are maybe a little bit shyer, mm-hmm. haven't been to the gym in a long time or never, go in and be like, oh, I don't really belong here. I, mm-hmm. I don't. It's intimidating, like, right? 100%. You see these guys throwing these weights around, making noise and all that stuff. But they don't, most mm-hmm. of them, not, I, I don't want to say most, a lot of them have like terrible form, look like they're going to throw their back out on every single rep that mm-hmm. they're doing. You throwing around way too much weight just to try to impress their friends or say I did curls of 95 pounds, but they did two. Congratulations. <laughs> so I don't know. That's something that goes through my mind a lot, regardless of whether it's fitness or business or anything, is like no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Adding on to that, I would say nobody cares what you're doing. Exactly. Right? Like, yes. 100%. Nobody like, like we think we're special enough that somebody's going to pay attention, yeah. right? Like at the end of the day, nobody, nobody cares. Right. Right. So once you're able to get over that hurdle and uh, you're able to just go out there and work out, you're going to start to see a lot of progress. And even, I've even seen this in some people who are a little more advanced and know what they're doing. They'll learn these exercises from people who are more knowledgeable, like corrective uh, stretching or whatnot, but they're not willing to do it because they don't want to look stupid. And it's like, for what reason, mm-hmm. right? You're hurting yourself. You're leaving yourself behind, right? You're not letting yourself reach your full potential just because you're a little bit too shy. Just get after it. Nobody cares. No one cares, girl. That comfort zone. No one cares. <laughs> that, that's cool, though. So also, if people can understand that it's never as scary as you think it is. Mm-hmm. So whether it's going to a gym in this example or public speaking or whatever first of all no one's going to remember you so if you fuck up no one cares Mm -hmm. but it's never as scary as you think it is in your head Mm -hmm. regardless of what it is and i think if people think about that going into the situation one you do a lot more shit Mm -hmm. but two you just would feel way more confident and not as scared reminds me of a story that i have so this was back when i was uh in college um we had to dress up for a presentation. So we were wearing uh, dress clothes and dress shoes. And me and my friends were going to the gym after. It was just uh, next door. And I forgot my sneakers. <laughs> so I had a t-shirt, yeah. long baggy basketball shorts, bright blue color, and then dress shoes on. <laughs> and you know what? I was like, I'm going to just get my workout in. And I'm glad I did, right? And it was probably uncomfortable at times throughout the workout. It was a Canada Games pool. I don't know if you guys have ever been, yeah. ever been there. Oh, yeah. It's a lot big of place. a lot of big strong yeah. people there yeah. too, right? <laughs> so adding to that, right? Like 
nobody cares. Nobody's, it doesn't make the news headlines, right? Mm-hmm. This guy wore dress shoes to the gym. But that's that internal battle that we have, right? It 100%. starts there. Second is a physical, get yourself in the gym. But it's it's crazy how many people are held back just because of that. Just because of fear. And it's not just fitness. Right? 100%. It goes across all forms of life, right? Yeah. I want to talk about your um, uh, competition that you're in recently. Yeah. First physique <laughs> competition? Yeah. Yeah. Physique. What, what motivated you to do that? It was actually was- my cousin okay yeah he called me up just before new year's um he said he wanted to do this physique competition uh bodybuilding competition we i did both he just did the bodybuilding okay and uh it was just that competitive nature of you know what if you're gonna do this and you're gonna you know improve your body like that and look like that i want to be right there right <laughs> i don't want to be left behind right so it was that competitive nature, right? And it was just like, he just sparked the fire, right? Um, it started with that. And Kyle, then, can you tell that kid to stop crying outside? Thanks. <laughs> Is that your neighbor? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hallway party. <laughs> yeah. Started with that. And then uh, as I kept going, it was just a way to feed my competitive nature and uh, get that sense of progression, which is addicting. It's like in sales. Totally. Like you sell more than last year. You want to beat your partner down in the cubicle over there. And, the, yeah. you know, you want to, <laughs> you want to be the biggest shark. What, what does your program look like for the physique competition versus like the bodybuilding one? So physique and bodybuilding is basically two different classes in bodybuilding, so to speak, mm-hmm. so to speak. So in physique, you're basically going for the beach look. But I mean, it's not the average Joe beach look. It's like <laughs> beach look on steroids. <laughs> but it's you're wearing swim shorts, right? Um, board shorts, and you know you've got a really tight core. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a lot slimmer. So and you try and target like smaller muscles and stuff. For physique, you're essentially targeting um, your shoulders the most, <laughs> right? And just trying to get down there. I see. But you can't also get too lean because if you end up looking. Um, too grainy, too veiny, then you'll get uh, points deducted for that too. But in a amateur competition, no one gets down there anyway. <laughs> so for the other bodybuilding, it was yeah. the classic bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And this is a relatively new class. I think they started about five years ago. Um, they wanted to bring back the golden era of bodybuilding <laughs> where guys weren't ginormous um, cows. I don't know if you've seen those Belgian blues. No, you could probably pull it up there too. Um, Belgian blues, just ginormous, but they wanted to get that golden era look, so they created that classic physique. And uh, that one, you obviously need a little more size, so it was a challenge. Uh, definitely with my back injury at the time, so not being able to use compounds on lower body that was my biggest um hindering factor. Mm. So it was tough doing both because now the judges judge you in both lights. And you actually will not place, you will place worse than if you just did one, Yeah. if you're good. Because now if to be good in physique, you're going to be a smaller beach look. And in the bodybuilding, it's going to be a bigger, more fuller, more harder look. And so if you do better in bodybuilding, you're going to get points deducted in physique. But I just wanted to see how I do. 
How long before the competition do you decide you're going to do it? So when my cousin asked me, I was still hesitant. Um, Sales 16 weeks out. Eight weeks I did on my own. I started from 195 pounds. I was probably the most out of shape I've been in my life. (laughs) And then uh, I got down to about 181. And then I looked for another coach. Because for bodybuilding and doing any of those contests, even a physique show, you have to peak. So you're essentially bringing your body down. It's not just losing the fat. You're trying to lose fat that your body literally wants to for survival. And then leading up to the contest a day, a day out, two days out, the day of the show, you're on some totally weird stuff that seems totally out there. Like upping your sodium, upping, decreasing your water, taking in this many carbs or whatnot. And no one really knows what they're doing. I mean, I was in the backstage when it comes down to something like that. I was backstage, um, adding on to that, I was backstage for the show. And we were all asking, oh, like, so how much sodium have you been taking or how much water have you been taking? (laughs) Or how much carbs, what did your coach say? Or what are you doing for yourself? Not one person had the same thing as the other. (laughs) So at the end of the day, it just comes to trying something, see how your body responds to it, finding out what your body works well with. So I hired that coach. um, His name is Matt Law. He's an awesome guy. Definitely motivates me. Mm. Uh, He's huge. (laughs) I hired him eight weeks out. So it was a 16-week commitment. Eight weeks I did myself. And the final eight weeks, um, he was there to guide me. And... uh, the mental support that it gives you is is worth it on its own. Mm. Yeah. Like we didn't change anything. Everything I was doing eight weeks on my own till pretty much all the eight weeks. We didn't really, we just upping the cardio, decreasing the calories slowly. That's generally it. But the sense of uh, assurity that you're doing the right thing because you're looking in the mirror 24-7. <laughs> Any mirror you see, you look looking skinny or I'm looking this, I'm looking that. And the coach is there to give you the feedback. We're on track. And as well as opposing definitely helps out with that. I had no idea what I was doing for posing. And then, uh, the day of the show, um, told me what I should do for my body. And, uh, it worked out well, definitely a learning experience. I think certain things I would change next time for myself, but no two people have the same same uh peaking which is crazy to me mm. <laughs> yeah if it was that simple though everybody could just look up this one template yeah, yeah and we'd all follow that exact same thing but it's not that easy what do those 16 weeks look like in terms of one like workouts mm-hmm. so time spent in the gym how many days a week how many hours a day two nutrition mm-hmm. and three supplements because i assume you're taking I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but there, yeah. I'm sure, assuming there's protein powders, but I'm assuming there's other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll speak to all three of them. So starting with training, um, training, it starts, I think I started with five. When I was doing my own eight week stuff, I was kind of doing that based on what my body needs and what I feel like I need to hit more. Mm-hmm. I think I started about five days, uh, five days a week. So and you take two full days off. Yeah. Yeah. From anything? From cardio? From everything? From everything. I, I mean, at the start, I didn't do any cardio. The mm-hmm. first eight, 
first, uh, I think I have it all logged. I could probably go back and reference everything for the future. I think for the first three, four weeks, I didn't do any cardio at all just because I was losing weight because I was at the worst shape of my life. So just being in the gym consistently, uh, speaking to my opponent earlier, I was losing weight. Yeah. And then when I got to, I believe around one from 195 to around 180, maybe five or 187, I started 15 minutes of Stairmaster twice a week. And that kept me going. That's it? That's it. Holy shit. So I started, kept losing weight. Um, And then when I got to eight weeks in and I reached out to the coach and I told him, he's like, dude, you're barely doing any cardio. I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's been working. (laughs) Yeah. So I, my philosophy was um, if I'm making progress, why do more? Sure. Right. Because you can always, I think about it as a gas pedal. If I'm in the lead, if if things are working, I don't need to floor it, right? Things can go wrong when you're flooring it. You don't have any room to go. So you want to keep as much left in the tank as possible. Mm -hmm. So it was only 15 minutes, but leading up to peak week, which is the last week, I believe I was doing 45 minutes or 40 minutes. Can't remember now. Uh, That was six days a week. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. I mean, my cousin, he was doing over an hour. Of cardio a day? Every single day, like two weeks, three weeks out. Yeah. And I think mine's is mostly from 20 minutes to 30, 35, and slowly went up there. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. For the nutrition aspect, a lot of people ask me, um, what did I eat? I ate the same stuff I was eating week one. So, of course... Before starting the diet, I was eating whatever. I found what works for me is finding something that I like that I can eat every single day. So I have an omelet, two egg omelet, throw some ketchup on there and a glass of milk. I get a little bit of protein, a little bit of good fat. And hey, I get carbs from the bread, but I like it, right? And I can have it every day. And then I would have some chicken strips, um, a cheaper way of getting protein. And again, the breaded aspect isn't the ideal part, but hey, it's cheap and I like it and I can have it every day. You're eating chicken strips? Yeah. And I actually ate that. Your from coach week probably one. didn't like that. No. He he was it was perfectly fine for really? him too. Yeah, we had the same same sort of philosophy. It was nothing extreme. Yeah. So he's I God, I wish I remember, but he actually he's about to get his pro card. He's a really, really good bodybuilder and good great at what he does. But we had the same philosophy of if we're making progress, no need to change anything. So I ate chicken strips from week one, even to the day of my contest. (laughs) Yeah. Day of my contest after the morning show. Um, There's a morning show of where the judges uh, critique you and the evening show where they hand out the awards. Yeah. And I was having chicken strips out of my car. (laughs) Yeah. But the main thing was just the portions, Right. right? Reducing the portions before I'd have four or five chicken strips and at the end, I believe the peak week, I was having two and a half, but it was all measured. Mm. So the biggest thing was just reduction, reducing the ca- calories, um, keeping track of what's going in my body and and how much I'm burning off, of course, right? Yeah. So just basically tracking the calories was probably 90% of the progress was just from that, from the body composition. Do you remember how many calories you were burning or eating a day, I should say? So I started out actually the week one because I've never actually dieted hard and this was my first show. Mm-hmm. I 
ended up cutting too much. I started out about 21, 2200 calories and my weight dropped way too fast. Energy dropped. Um, you can feel it from the shirts, you know, got loose real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so then for the first seven weeks from week one to week seven of the 16, I was actually increasing my calories week by week and losing weight just because I cut it too drastically. And me being in the gym was just upping my metabolism that much. Yeah. Well, the, the like the more muscles you have, yeah, like you said, it'll burn your metabolism more, right? You'll yeah. just end up burning more calories. Yeah. Yeah, that's another factor. Um, already having a strong foundation, mm-hmm. it's going to be much easier. That's why I've been reluctant to sh- share my uh, eight-week progress picture from the final eight weeks <laughs> because think about it like if, as an already sculpted st- statue that just has a little bit of excess clay. Once you remove that, that's a big uh, transformation. But I don't want people to um, assume that, hey, eight weeks, I can look like this. And then, uh, so yeah, for the diet, that's pretty much it. Just reduction in calories. And then uh, let's say weight stalls. Okay, something needs to be changed. Up the cardio. Can I ask you a question on that quickly before you keep going? The removing the clay analogy, Mm -hmm. what's the big thing to remove the clay? And if you already said that, I'm sorry. But. Okay. Um, great question. Yeah. To simplify it, the biggest thing to remove the clay and body composition is diet for me. Okay. Because I already have a strong foundation. Yeah. And I just need to clean up my diet and that'll get, you know, my muscles to show and veins yeah. and everything. But for, you know, a mom that's 40 years old, uh, only takes in about 70, uh, 1700 calories is maybe five, seven, 185 pounds, 190 pounds. She's only eating like 1,700 calories right now. If she starts reducing calories, where is she going to end up, right? So her body's going to essentially fight back and her metabolism is going to slow down. Right. So for her, it would be getting active, getting in the gym. Sure. It's a combination. And it, I'd say it definitely depends on how fast your metabolism is and what your foundation looks like to begin with. But great question. And I feel like because the answer isn't set in stone, sure, people have this fog where they're not sure what to focus on. I would say though for everybody, you can just focus on getting in the gym. Because even for myself, if I cleaned up my diet, but I didn't go to the gym, I wasn't really going to get anywhere. Sure. Yeah. So we're just continuing along with that. It was just reducing calories, upping the uh, cardio, and reducing calories as weight stalled. And then the third point you had was supplements. Do you find you get hungry though? Yeah. Yeah. So, and do you find you lose energy? If you're upping cardio and reducing what you're eating. Good question. Energy, I actually found I had more energy. Really? Yeah. And I was... Even though you're feeling hungry? It, it the first few days it sucked. But after that, I had this clarity... And honestly, my productivity jumped. Hmm. It jumped. And from then on, it changed and it was really, really high. Very little sleep, lots of work, lots of school, lots of working out, lots of prepping and other life stuff as well. So my productivity jumped and I've read things from other people as well. People who fast, they mentally get sharper because when we take in a large meal, our body actually temp kind of shuts down, mm-hmm. so to speak. And it's focusing on digesting and breaking down the food. But I think that's probably due to 
us just eating more than we need right. as a society. So I was probably eating more than my body actually needed to begin with. So for me, being hungrier, cutting down, I actually had a lot more clarity and sharpness in my mind. Mm. Yeah, which was which was fascinating. And I think it inspired me to one day consider fasting like uh, for a full month. So I think that's a challenge that down for the road I want to do. Yeah, or like day-to-day like the yeah. uh intermittent fasting yeah like popular. the uh for ramadan i yeah, think yeah, yeah yeah i'm not too familiar with the culture but with the sundown thing i think i definitely want to try that see how that affects productivity and mental clarity down the road mm. um but continuing along for supplements, supplements yeah it was very simple again i was just taking protein and it was about one pound per body weight. But when I started, when I got to my coach, I was actually really cheap. My protein was actually really low. (laughs) (laughs) And so we didn't take it too high. It didn't even get too crazy. I don't think I topped more than 195 grams of protein by the time we were right at the end because protein is essentially easier for your body to use for keeping muscle, retaining muscle, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in a... uh, um, when you're basically cutting down, your bodies can either cut down muscle or fat. It likes to hold on to fat as survival energy. So if you're feeding it more protein, you can help keep more of that muscle. But muscle loss is going to be inevitable as well as strength loss, which was really humbling. So protein was key. Um, so I was keeping that up from eggs, chicken, um, the chicken strips, chicken breasts, <laughs> And then uh, protein scooped, which slowly went up as we went, as I needed a little more protein. And then in terms of any other supplements, it was just that and caffeine. And even caffeine, I kind of kept it towards the end because mm-hmm. caffeine, obviously, it helps uh, suppress appetite. So it's a good way if you're feeling hungry to suppress appetite. It gives you more energy. Um, workouts are definitely much better. Right. And it also helps burn fat because it slightly improves your metabolism. Does it suppress appetite? Yeah. Really? Whenever I drink coffee, it makes me super hungry. I think, <laughs> again, with studies, it's so, so difficult. Yeah. Because in the fitness industry, you could have a thousand, you could have a conclusive study that found something. But it doesn't But work all everyone. it proves is they're um, the people that they, the participants. That was right for the participant. Sure. Which it could be totally different from someone else, or it could be totally different for those participants if their lifestyle was different. So it's really hard, even with any studies. So I'm sure maybe it could work for you like that. And I found for myself, though, if I take a lot of caffeine, I could not even feel hungry after my workouts. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Like I would sometimes forget, like when I used to powerlift, I would take a super pre workout around 8 30. Train around nine. I'll be up to like one AM. Oh crap. Forgot to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that was pretty much it. And then creatine, we we took that probably a little too late. That was the one thing I screwed up at. So uh due to shipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the creatine basically helps um give you a little more muscle endurance, right? And it helps keep you fuller muscles fuller you hold on to a little bit more water um you could hold on to it in the muscles or 
uh, just under the skin. So you want to hold on to as much water as you can in your muscles for the show. Because it just makes them look fuller. Yeah, but you don't want to hold on to the rest of the water, right? If you're playing around with water retention, with sodium and water intake, because um, if you are too depleted, now great, you're slimmer, but your muscles are also flat. Right. You don't look that good. Or if you're full, you could be really full. Your muscles are full, so it's your stomach, right? So creatine, we started taking a little bit too late. That's probably something I'd change for the next time. Other than that, that was about it. Does it fuck with your body? You were playing around with sodium levels and... On the extremes, it can. Like, if I know at the Olympia stage, like, if you're going to that extreme where you're dehydrating your body to two three percent body fat percentage levels and you're trying to deplete yourself of all that water some people go on diuretics some people go in saunas they're about to collapse right like that's kind of like the old philosophy i would say this hardcore you know whatever it takes yeah but in all sports i feel like the focus on long-term health and longevity and taking things step by step and not going past what you need now it's at a point where we didn't even do a water cut. Like our water cut, so to speak, was just taking in about two liters, I believe, of water or one and a half on the day of my show, I believe. And that's it? That's yeah. all the water cutting you did? Yeah, I believe the night of and then in the morning, I, th I can't remember. I have it probably on a log, but in the morning I had a little bit of water and then the rest was just kind huh. of sips. Wow. But... Because you hear of guys just cutting like crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it happens more so in the uh, weight class sports, mm, right. but like in powerlifting or fighting, yeah. which is horrible for your body. Yeah. It's horrible. Like my weight was 166, 167 on stage, and it was like the same thing the day before. The next day, it was like 169, 168, 170-ish around there, just with a little more IHOP. But we didn't do anything extreme like that. Mm. Yeah. But I know in... Fighting and in powerlifting, it's actually very, very bad for your body. Just for injuries, too. Totally. Yeah. Even when I did my first show, where, uh, sorry, competition for powerlifting, I did a water cut. I wanted to compete in the 183 class. I uh, was uh, 188, 190, I believe, somewhere around there. And I cut down to 180 like in five days. Jeez. I didn't know what I was doing at that time. And I think that was probably played a factor into me hurting myself, right? Mm -hmm. Your body is just not in the strongest condition and you're putting the stimulus that is maximizing your capabilities. It's a recipe. Totally. totally. Can we talk quickly about recovery and then we can get out of here? But yeah. How important is that for you? Because I think that's one thing that I, well, I stretch every day, so that kind of counts. But what do you do for your stretches? What? What are you laughing at? What? What are you laughing at? Do you at? really stretch? I stretch every day. Every morning? No, after workouts, not before. Mm. Have you always done that? Yeah. Even when we play basketball? Yeah. What does it look like? What does my stretching look like? Routine, yeah. Mostly just my legs and my back. Yeah. Yeah. Stretching's stretching's important. And it's not that long. It's like yeah. maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah. So recovery's huge. Like now I'm all about recovery. And it started from uh, this line. I don't know who it came from, but it's not a. It's in terms of uh, 
it's it's addressing the topic of getting how strong can someone get. It's mm-hmm. not about how much you can do. Mm. It's about how much you can recover from. Because mm. we can both go into a gym and do a plate on the bench for maybe five, six hours. <laughs> Is it going to do any benefit, yeah. right? So took, taking that philosophy and uh, taking into consideration all the mileage that my body has from all the sports and everything I've done, um, recovery is huge. Yeah, like cold showers here and there stretching, um, just the way you're sitting, lacrosse ball work, band work. Mm. Yeah. How about for yourself? I know you, since you do a lot of those hikes and I stuff, do how much. do you? No? No, yeah. I stretch after that's it. Yeah. And it's, water and it's and all right? Um, I hurt my lower back maybe five years ago. Uh-huh. And once a year, I feel like it, I hurt it. Okay. Or I, I redo it. Yeah. But in the last year or so, since I've been like lifting more than mm-hmm. I had before, I don't notice it at all. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, I guess you just build the muscles around it and they. Yeah. They, yeah. So essentially, um, if you were to think of it as a spectrum, um, and this is kind of a general topic of discussion that a lot of per- PTs, personal trainers, and people in the sports world talk about how more and more athletes get more and more freak injuries or mm-hmm. they seem to get more hurt. It all has to do with uh, specialization. Yeah. So our bodies, yeah, they're made to run. They're not made to run 100 miles, right? You're <laughs> going to break some stuff in your feet. Yeah. You're going to develop some sort of imbalances. And I teach this to all my clients too, right? There's no one healthy sport at its highest level. Fighting, yeah, it's awesome. You're grappling, you're moving around. Um, you're going to get banged up. You're going to have certain injuries. Like for boxing, your shoulders are going to be rolled forward because no one's going to fight like this. Mm-hmm. You're going to get knocked out, right? Probably lose a few teeth. You're going to fight like this, right? So your range is longer. You're protecting your body. And now all of a sudden you've created imbalances, right? Mm-hmm. So it all has to do with the specialization and how far to the extreme you're going. So deadlift, squats, bench, yeah, they're great. You keep doing them long enough, keep doing them over and over again, you're going to build um, tightness, imbalances, and you have to recover. So I think you've probably stayed healthy because you kind of do a wide variety of stuff, right? Yeah. Which is probably the best way to stay uh, healthy. Like I'll never lift more than five days a week. Yeah. And same with running. I'll run maybe seven days a week sometimes, but mm-hmm. um, I don't run a long. Like mm-hmm. I'll run like five to seven kilometers a day. Okay. I'm not running 25 kilometers ever. Yeah. You no, throw in a couple hikes on the weekends. And and I'll hike in between. Yeah. Have you ever thought about it? What? Ultra endurance. Ultra runs? Or? Ultra endurance sports, like running, like 100 no. kilometers. My partner does that. Jamie, all of my business partner. He, uh, did the West Coast Trail a couple last mm-hmm. year in 15 hours, mm-hmm. 82 kilometers or something like that. And then he did a... That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and then he did a 120-kilometer uh, trail race in Portugal this year in May. Wow. In 20 hours. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> He's intense. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He was on the podcast and he talked about those two uh-huh. events and just like what your body goes through and mentally how you... How you can overcome stuff like that. That's incredible. It's a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting <laughs> dude. Yeah. He, in the winter, he goes in, he has an unheated pool in his backyard. And so in the winter, he goes in the pool every, that's why he starts his day at 6 a.m. every day. 
goes in the pool for like five, six, I think he got up to seven and a half minutes mm -hmm. and he's just sitting there and mm -hmm. there's like ice on the top of the pool. So he has to crack it to jump into the pool. Wow. And he's just sitting there for six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use a lot of cold therapy? Cold therapy, um, right now, I've been using just really cold showers. Yeah. But have you tried not, any of that cryogenic stuff or no a lot of that stuff's expensive is, and yeah. there's some studies now coming out that it may not be oh really the best thing but seems like it'd be bad for your skin yeah right I think, what is it minus or your or eyes right? yeah. like somewhere on there yeah. yeah yeah i think i saw a story maybe somebody lost their toe or something in there an athlete yeah a pro athlete and now he's suing them oh, we'll see shit. how that goes but <laughs> Scary. I, yeah i did cold showers for about three weeks when I was running um, small off junior for bench, which is a Russian high volume training, <laughs> which sounds as bad as it is. <laughs> so it was only bench four times a week. I'd be taking up the bench for an hour. And that's an it. No hour. And that's because you can't recover from it. You can't, oh. your body's not going to recover. And even just that four times a week bench, I was pushing my body where things were, you know, starting to, starting to tell me, you know, you need to like scale it back. So I found the cold showers definitely helped me get through that. Mm -hmm. Made some progress, but man, the Russians are no joke. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Yeah. But recovery's recovery's important. Uh, what does your friend do for recovery other than the uh, ice no, bath? I don't think he does anything. Pool? No? Uh, he's an interesting dude. Like he wants to challenge himself one time a year. Mm -hmm. so he'll like plan these things a year in advance or whatever uh, and he doesn't really train a lot like he has two dogs so he okay. hikes often with them and he'll run the hikes most of the time yeah but in terms of actual training he'll just start training like a couple months before that the okay. event. so he's not like a year he's not he, like he doesn't run every day like i do but he'll do like 15 kilometer trail runs a couple times a week kind of thing mm -hmm. and he's in real estate as well yeah hyper competitive extremely yeah yeah i think we both are <laughs> yeah with yourselves <laughs> with with each other yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah i feel like those are the type of people driven to because you said he only does it once a year yeah and that's kind of the reason why i do what i do if i didn't have my competitions as well yeah it would be like what's the point yeah. was to hold yourself accountable like i'm sure he that's probably the reason push himself pushes boundaries for sure well that's awesome yeah. That's what he, that's how he explains it is he's like, I want to be more comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. in more situations. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, now I did 120. So now what am I going to do? I have to do like 150 kilometers. Yeah. Now. That's absurd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the hardest one is the uh, death valley is it called? Or? I, I think so. Well, so. that's a hundred mile. I think that's a hundred mile. Through the... Through Vegas, more, through Vegas desert. I know Jamie was saying there's, there's a couple a that are like 400K. The Moab <sighs> desert one? Yeah. And you like, people will like take 20, 30 minute naps like along the way, mm -hmm. but they won't like have a full night's sleep and they'll stop in tents for food and all the, obviously that stuff. But it's like 36 hours. Oh, no, maybe it's longer than that. How many, are you Googling it? I think he said there was a 400K one or maybe Goggins said something like that. I remember listening to his podcast, but. Goggins is a freak. Oh my gosh. His yeah. story is so funny too. Like just, it's crazy. What's your opinion on him? Uh, I think he's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like super inspirational. Just yeah. the message he puts out is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people can take a lot from it yeah. just in terms of like 
those, I can't remember the exact lines that he uses, but he uses something like, when you think you're done, you're actually only 40% of the 40% way there. Done. Yeah. yeah. And true. so uh, I find myself now in situations where I go for like a 40 minute run and 35 minutes in, I'm having a bad day or I'm hungover and I'm like, fuck, I'm exhausted. Maybe I should walk for a minute. Mm-hmm. And the, that line comes up in my head. I'm like, I'm, I'm only 40% done right now. Yeah. And so you just push through. So yeah. like it works for me. I'm sure a lot of people can take a lot of stuff from that. Yeah, it's so it's really true in running. Like the sense of discomfort that you have, maybe ten minutes in mm-hmm. to twenty minutes in, doesn't really change much, mm-hmm. right? From the point where you feel like quitting or stopping, yeah, the the discomfort doesn't really change from once you get to your objective. Maybe it's a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really change, right? Like every hike I did uh, or attempted the uh, Black Tusk, I think it was last week or the week before. Cool. That's a tough one. It was tough. I did not take proper footwear or <laughs> chucks. Yeah, we, chucks. we didn't summit it, but we got up close to the chimneys and that was about as safe as it could be. But yeah. it was boring. Like the first an hour, hour, hour and a half, I think the cutbacks. The switchbacks, right? Oh, the yeah. Switchbacks, yeah. yeah. For the first minute to an hour and a half in, it's the same sense of discomfort, but you can keep going. Right? Yeah. Hiking's man, I, we could talk about hiking for another hour. Yeah, uh, I gotta get running. So why don't we leave people with where where can they reach you if they have fitness questions, if they want to start training, if they have nutrition questions, whatever it may be. Yeah, so the best place to probably find me is on Instagram. I have my account. It's Balraj Saran, uh, Baller Fitness. I've actually laid out a type form there. People can go in there and fill out the questionnaire. And that way I'll get a notification and I'll get an email and I can get in touch with anybody. Beauty. And that's if you want to get uh, formal coaching from me, online coaching, personal training. But if you even have a few general questions, feel free to DM me on Instagram. But that's the best way to reach me. Beauty. Yeah. Well, it was Thanks a pleasure. Thanks for me, man. Yeah. It was, a lot, it was a lot of fun to meet with you. Yeah, it was nice meeting you too, man. Your nice inspiration to too with your uh, 230 days. Today was 232, I think. 232. Yeah. yeah it was a pleasure. Honestly, I've been thinking about it for the last week. And when I get to December 31st, I'm just going to keep going. Like, it's just normal now. Keep it, it going. Doesn't, it's not hard. Yeah. And that's what I was saying before the show is like the first maybe two or three months, mm-hmm. there's days where you're like, oh, I wish I could just not do anything today and sit on the sofa or whatever. But now I, I, have, I haven't had one of those days in a long time. That's crazy. Yeah. Let's see how far you can get. 20, just keep 20 years. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> And then write a book about it. Ten years. I think I could do twenty twenty two. Yeah. It's not like it's like I said. It's not like I need a day off. It's more just like I don't know. I don't want to have to worry about it. Sometimes if I go out of town or whatever, I'll mm-hmm. wake up and a half an hour early just to go for a run, kind of thing on a vacation or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I think more people should set goals like that. I want I, people to do it. I put something on Instagram yesterday saying like. Join me for September. Do 30 mm-hmm. days with me or what? you know, whatever. Did you get any response? Just start out slow. Yeah, I had like five or six people message right. me saying they want to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. I might consider it. Yeah. <laughs> Running? September. Uh, sweat a day. Work at something. Yeah, work at something. Yeah, might run too. We'll see. Yeah. With uh, If you're powerlifting, obviously you need the break just because you're going to hurt yourself if you just keep going, right? If you do 25 days straight, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Powerlifting, you're kind of doing the opposite where you don't want to... Uh, make your muscle fibers used to endurance you want Mm. to essentially prime them to fire all at once 
instead of slowly and pacing right. themselves. Right. But yeah, definitely got to watch for recovery. But I think sweating once a day, 20 minutes on a bike, 30 minutes, mm -hmm. whatever it is. I think everyone can do that. It's addicting uh, too now. It's addicting. <laughs> totally. Yeah, get some therapy for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. All right. Thanks, buddy. It's great to meet you. Yeah, nice meeting you too. Cheers.